0: from the Alaska Airlines Studio
1: presented by 2020lifestyles.com This is, is the Blitz the first look at the top stories in Seattle sports I oh got We not like everybody you The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work Swing in a fly ball Deep right center field he did it again And the stories everyone is talking about Turn on the and we got good for each other This is the Blitz at 6
0: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, June 12th. We made it to Friday, friends. Thanks for hanging out with me this morning. A jam-packed hour. We got to hear from Pete Carroll yesterday addressing the media and off-season press conference. We heard from Pete on everything from Rashad Penny and his status, how the running back room will now look with the addition of Carlos Hyde, as well as playing so much base defense last year. Can Keith Blair fit into their system moving forward? Also an update on Quinton Dunbar and Pete Carroll talking more about Colin Kaepernick, how he visited here, uh, how they thought he would get a starting job elsewhere. And Pete also mentioning a regret he has in regards to that. So we'll hear from Pete also Day two of the MLB draft, the final day in the books. A short one this year, just five rounds. And the Mariners add to their pitching staff, but also their infield and their outfield will dig through those picks and hear from Scott Hunter as well as some of the guys themselves. All ahead in this hour, right now. Let's get to your headlines. It was our first chance to hear from Pete Carroll in a while, and describing you know the new age we are living in right now with virtual meetings. And saying the Seahawks will wrap those up next week.
2: I'm so fired up about the, what we have been able to accomplish during this time because I had no idea. I, mean, I didn't have a clue what was going to happen here. And uh, I asked the coaches to use every ounce of their creativity that they could and their energy that they could to keep them, the, the meetings proactive and, and involved and, and upbeat and moving and like we always like to do. And didn't know if we, that would translate you you know, know through the uh, you know, through the technology. But it has. And we've had... Uh, we've made incredible progress. I think we're smarter at this point because of the added time that we've had to work and really focus on our, on the mental side of it than we've ever been. Um, we, we, we're going to go again next week. It will be our last week. Um, we have been disciplined, strict about it. Gosh, it's been it's been amazing.
0: We don't know exactly how camp training camp will look like uh, or a mini camp coming up and Pete Carroll with some thoughts on that.
2: The league is right in the middle of discussions. We get kind of tidbits uh, as they have them to, to share with us that really, I don't even know how much is out there. I don't know how much you know, but they're trying to formulate a plan of reentry, you know, and, and how we could do that. Um, our club is not going to, you know, we're, we're not, we decided earlier we're not going to bring players in. The league has said that, you know, players aren't coming in early now. Um, and so we we were in support of that from the beginning. Um, but somewhere in the middle of, of uh, July, somewhere in there, there's going to be a date where we're going to be able to, they're aiming to kick us into activity. And it'll be kind of scheduled. I, I see it kind of like a little bit of phase one, a little bit of phase two, getting us ready for football. Um, and the, I don't, I'm not going to give you their dates and, and times right now because I know they're not settled. But that's the plan. And, and, and so it, it. there's some conversation out there that's talking about, Um, you know, the preseason being shorter, that might coincide with, depending on when the date is and all that, that none of that settled at this time. So if anybody says they got it, as far as I know, uh, we have not heard that.
0: New Seahawks cornerback, Quinton Dunbar. We know that he is facing four counts of armed robbery stemming from an incident uh, in May, May 13th. And Dunbar who apologized to the Seahawks for what he called unnecessary distractions after posting bail, has been a part, though, of the Seahawks off-season program. And yesterday, Pete Carroll spoke on his arrest for the first time.
2: Yeah, he took a few days to, to take care of uh, the, the stuff he had to take care of back home. Um, he's still there um, in Florida. Um, been very open in the discussions of what, what's taken place. There's a whole process Going on, I I don't have the details of where that is right now, and wouldn't comment on that anyway. But um, uh, we have been, you know, very much connected with him, and and what what is next, and all of that. Uh, It seems like like things are taking, you know, I I don't even, I shouldn't even say, I don't even know. But but we are following along with him. He is back and participating with us, and focusing real well now, and and uh, um, so we'll see what happens with that. We'll be right on it, and we are, you know, John and his guys are all over it, and uh, there's just not much I can share with you about it.
0: We know that the running back room has been hampered recently, both Chris Carson and Rashad Penny working back from season-ending injuries, Chris Carson, his hip, and then Rashad Penny that tore an ACL, and we'd heard from P. Carroll around the time of the Combine, I believe, that they seemed a little more optimistic about Chris Carson starting the season on time than they did at Rashad Penny. But Pete Carroll also talking about how he's not concerned with when uh, Penny returns at the moment. So I'm not
2: worried about that. Um, what day he comes back. What I'm concerned about is that we, we do it really well. He's doing great. Uh, he's, he's in LA for the most part. And uh, the reports that we're getting and, and from Rashad personally that he's, he's cranking, he's really going. And so his weight's down and which is good for, you know, this term uh, of of the rehab and and, uh, that'll help him some. Um, But he's, he's, he's running on it. He's doing some stuff already and he's, he's moving forward. So nothing but great reports and and, uh, he's really determined. Uh, He checks in with me regularly and, and uh, so things are going well.
0: Pete Carroll though, on the new addition of Carlos Hyde to the running back room. I just talked
2: to Carlos uh, last night before last or last night, um, just to see how he's doing with, you know, the, uh, you know, kind of, Moving into the club and you know making that transition and all, um, I'm really excited about him adding him to our team. Uh, I've always loved the way he played. You guys know, I mean, you you've, you've seen him. He fits the the kind of style that we love. He's you know he plays at 2:30. He runs as hard as he can possibly run. He's got creativity to him. He's got style. Uh, he can catch the football. Um, he had a fantastic season last year, but he's had a lot of really good years. Um, you know, leading up to that, and we've competed against him enough that the first thing I said to him is, finally, we get you on our side, you know, and, and uh, so really thrilled to have him.
0: Um, also, though, uh, where he will fit into that room in that competition, uh, here was Pete Carroll on the now uh, pretty full running back room, if everyone is healthy.
2: You know, there's some questions, you know, where does he fit in? All that. He fits right into the competition. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like I said this a thousand times to you guys, that this is a great position for competition. And uh, um, uh, he runs much – he and Chris run in similar fashion um, in, in the way that they slash and, and hit it. Um, I think he gives us a, a real good – you know, I don't know where he's going to settle in. I don't I don't really care right now. I just know he's going to do good. And he gives us a chance to really um, bring Rashad back and, and, and carefully bring him back so that he's a, a – you know a hundred percent thousand percent right and ready to go when, when we cut him loose uh, we're really excited about we think Rashad is a little different different style and we love what he brings uh, but this will allow us to I think would in to be clear about the process of you know uh, re-entering uh, uh, penny back into it so I think it's going to help us uh,
0: Pete Co Pete Carroll also talking about the team's use of base defense last year uh, and defending that is sort sort of.
2: We we have uh, we have real good stats on it so that we know what we got out of what we did. Um, But overall, we weren't as effective as we've been. And so uh, that's when we get back on the field and we see how things fit together. You know, a, a big part of that was some of the players that we had. You know, we've always tried to draw from the strengths of our players. And, 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 and that's was one of the reasons that we did that last year. And uh, so we'll see how that goes.
0: P. Care, a little bit more on playing heavy base D last year. It's
2: it's valuable experience that we've had. And what you're asking is is we, we play base defenses versus nickel offenses at times. Yeah. And there's a number of teams that, that have done that. Um, we played those packages better than, than the nickel packages in, in the years past. But as that complemented all of our game and prepared us for all of our game, that's that's the decision that we made as we see our players fit in. So I'm sorry I can't give you a, a, the, the definitive. All of that has been in the process of how we're approaching the season so that we can take advantage of the directions we may go depending on how the individuals you know, contribute.
0: Marquise Blair, a lot of people wanted to see him on the field a little bit more last year. And Pete Carroll on if he could fit into the nickel D.
2: Yes, Mark, Mark. yes. Matter of fact, he, he is a guy He's a guy that we're very interested in 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 finding a role for him, we, we've already uh, mapped that out. Uh, he's he's got some real special talent that we want to find a spot for him, uh, not just to, to go along and complement the safety play that he's going to play. So in the nickel package, he is he is getting uh, he's going to get a, you know, a lot of consideration to, to contribute in, in some additional ways because he's unique and got, got some special stuff.
0: Pete Carroll also discussing the importance of the events going on in the world right now and having those conversations. With the players, and I I love this where he said that we owe everything to the players. It's our responsibility to support them. I think
2: we owe everything to the players and we owe everything to the guys from from years past. I said this a number of years ago, and I was really emphatic about the, the, the perspective that I have for this thing is that this is a players league. We owe everything to the players all the way back to the history of the league. And those guys that made this game come to life because they went out there and played this game when the freaking equipment was all screwed up and all that, and they took all the hits and the injury and all that, all that the, that they endured to play the game when they were making four or five thousand dollars a game or whatever, and uh, uh, and gave their life to it. Um, I see it even more so now that this is a players. It's driven by the players. It's driven by the, their love for the game, their willingness to go out and and and, and play this, and uh, that we should. And in that, as we, what they have to say about the game and what they bring to it. And, and in that, um, uh, I would hope that as we move forward, obviously we, we didn't get the message before when we had a chance to, the message is, is the same message. We need, we need to hear it better and hear it right, uh, as, as people that support the game and people that love the game from the outside. And, and that, that message comes from our guys and we have to listen to them and we got to representative the NFL is as powerful an institution as there is to stand up for the right stuff and and make things move where we can make things move uh we have a lot of a, a lot of power you know something happened and, and next thing you know the president's commenting on it you know well we have we have the the platform to do great stuff well let's let our guys be in position to do that
0: Pete Carroll, more from him in this hour on uh, Colin Kaepernick, the workouts that he had here, and Pete Carroll admitting that he uh, regrets now knowing what they know now, that he didn't get a starting job elsewhere, that uh, they didn't sign him here in Seattle. So we'll hear from him there. But up next on the Blitz, too, The Mariners adding several more picks yesterday uh, as the final rounds of the draft, rounds two through five. So uh, the arms they added, the infield and the outfielder, I'll explain who they are. It's next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz.
0: Welcome back to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, June 12th. Mariners adding to their prospects yesterday in the Major League Draft. Emerson Hancock, their first selection uh, the day previous uh, in the first round. The number six pick overall, uh, widely regarded as the best righty uh, in that draft. But we got to hear from Jerry Depoto yesterday for the Jerry Depoto Show on with Danny and Gallant on why he likes Hancock's pitching style. Emerson
3: is six uh, four, two hundred. It's uh, as a prototype, uh, top of the rotation pitcher package. Really, it's uh, you know he is a smart kid who is driven. He's very focused on what he's doing. Really fits culturally with what we've been trying to do over these last five years. You know, and he also has four what we think are above to well above average pitches.
0: Emerson also joined Dan Angolant yesterday and talked about how he really physically matured in college. For me, when I went
4: into Georgia, I was really undersized. I was about 175, 180 pounds, and I always had a good arm, but I couldn't really hold that velocity. So when I got introduced to Ryan Gearhart, our strength coach, I mean, he just, we sold out to him, and I committed to him and put on over 30 pounds since i've been at georgia i've gotten stronger more flexible more explosive just everything and then you know we have the best pitching coach in the country at georgia so i mean when you get to work with those guys it, it's really good a lot of good things can happen
0: but after the first round pick was in the books yesterday rounds two through five and scott hunter breaking down their progress on the second day of the draft uh,
3: good after uh, good evening Uh, here on the east coast but uh just completed the 2020 draft which was quite challenging across the board but i think as a as a group we're very proud of uh, what we accomplished not only from the top of the draft but all the way through getting a good balance of uh you know three pitchers and three position players so we do think we've made some impact across across our organization which is going to just continue to add to what we've been doing over the last few years
0: The first of those picks coming in the second round, number 43 overall, uh, outfielder Zach Deloach from Texas A&M. He had some struggles early on in his college career with the Aggies, but a really impressive summer in 2019 in the Cape Cod League when he was the batting champ there. Hit... 353 with five home runs, eight doubles, and a four twenty-eight on on-base percentage. Not bad in 37 games. And a Mariners director of scouting, Scott Hunter, breaking down his profile.
3: Zach Deloche was an uh, exciting pick for us. We felt he was one of the best hitters coming into this draft uh, after a stellar Cape Cod season. Uh, his sophomore year at Texas A&M, he had a little bit of, uh, I guess, unfortunate luck, not posting big numbers, but he went up to Cape Cod. Did a really good job up there, and uh, made a few swing changes. He's a guy that's always controlled the zone. He's got a pure left-handed swing. He started tapping into some of his power, and we still really believe that there—you know—the best is yet to come for Zach. I mean, he's a guy that's going to start out playing center field. He's played all three positions out there over the last few years, and you know, it's—it's it's a great makeup kid that really fits exactly what we're what we're doing in regards to controlling the strike zone and uh, being a complete
0: hitter. Also in the second round, number 64 overall, competitive balance round B pick for the M's. And they took right-handed pitcher Connor Phillips out of McLennan Community College in Texas, 6'2", 190 pounds, and just 19 years old. He was playing junior college ball, but... Uh, intentionally, He could have committed uh, to play at LSU or could have played at LSU, but uh, decided to go to McLennan in order to be draft eligible in 2020, uh, two years earlier than if he had joined the Tigers. And Scott Hunter on uh, Connor Phillips proven everyone right.
3: Connor Phillips was a, a junior college kid out of McLennan Junior College, probably one of the most upside plays we took today. Uh, I got to see him in late January or early February before the shutdown and before uh, you know we, we got off the road there. But uh, he's a kid that's up to 98 miles an hour, has four pitches, still learning how to harness his stuff, but has a lot of uh, comparisons to Trevor Bauer, the way he, walk, he walks into the ballpark, uh, the way he has his throwing program. Even his delivery kind of looks like Trevor Bauer. And this is a guy that we uh, – really targeted once the, the day two of the draft came in just about like how aggressive we needed to be, where we can get them. And we felt that comp pick was a, uh, an outstanding chance to get an impact arm with a really big upside, only 19 years old, a uh, high school football player. Uh, we actually had some interest in him out of high school last year, but he chose to uh, go to junior college, prove his worth. And he came out on the winning, winning side of that thing. Um, made a good choice and came out and proved us all wrong. Where where we uh, wound up getting them in a, in a very good spot in this year's draft.
0: Our own Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer tweeting out yesterday, uh, quote: "The thought by some is Phillips might be better suited for a relief role. Needs a third pitch, but he's only nineteen. M's can give him time to develop further before making that decision." The rest of the draft in the third round, the Mariners uh, adding to their infield, taking. Caden Polkovich out of Oklahoma State, 5'8", 180. Uh, And then in the fourth round, adding a third baseman, Tyler Keenan, out of Ole Miss. Later in the hour, I'll play you a great mic'd-up session. Ole Miss uh, micing up Tyler Keenan on the infield, so I want you to hear some of that. And finally, with their last selection of this year's draft in the fifth round, 137th overall, selecting another right-handed pitcher, Taylor Dollard, out of Cal Poly, another person who had a really impressive performance in the Cape Cod League last summer as a pitcher. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good thing. As a hitter also, too, the Woodback, the prestigious Woodback League, uh, that seemed to be a common theme with a lot of the Mariners draft picks this year. We'll hear more about him later in this hour. But up next on The Blitz, D'Angelo Hall, joining Bob David Moore yesterday, had a lot of thoughts on Quinton Dunbar and the Seahawks secondary. It's next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: you're listening to the blitz from the Alaska Airlines studio
0: welcome back to the blitz at six the new alongside with you friday june 12th a lot of discussion about the seahawks defense in particular that secondary this offseason d'angelo hall former a former defensive back played 14 seasons in the league joined bob dave and more yesterday to chat about just that, in particular, Quentin Dunbar and the Seahawks secondary.
3: Hey, D'Angelo, Quentin Dunbar uh, was acquired by the Seahawks in a trade with the Redskins. and You played with him there in Washington. Uh, Can you tell us more about him? It sounds like he's a heck of a cornerback.
5: Oh, man, just a true student of the game. Um, You know, you never would have thought seeing this kid play receiver, you know, the first day we saw him. That he would end up transitioning into being one of the elite corners in the, you know in this league. And, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but, uh, you know, I was a big part of that. Aubrey Pleasant, one of the DB coaches out in, um, uh, 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 LA with the Rams. He was a big part of that. You know, just really teaching, teaching, teaching Dunbar Torian Gray, the DB coach at the University of Florida. Um, you know, just teaching him how to play the position and just understanding that it's not just about uh, uh getting in and out of breaks it is about studying the game understanding route combinations and really mastering your defense and you know playing playing chess with guys instead of playing checkers um you know that's the biggest thing i think i imparted into him and just the work ethic and the grind man and you know he, he's become a technician man i watched him from from the last day that i was able to work with him um until you know uh you know parsons last season and you know the year before that and just you know watching the consistency and you know I played a little bit of receiving in college too and you know I can remember my mindset when I went back to corner I you know I didn't want to get up there and jam guys and you know to watch Dunbar put his hands on guys and run step to step you know I, you know I think a lot of guys underestimate just how fast he is um and so I take him in a foot race against a lot of guys you know in this league man he's part of part of that Florida crew down there man that them dudes just fly you know they just run different
3: do you feel like that gives you and 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 Dunbar and, uh, and Richard Sherman guys who played receiver at some point, whether it's high school, whether it's college, and then they they go opposite? You all of a sudden you're defending the receiver, but does that give you some level of advantage just understanding the mindset of how a receiver works, or does it not really matter in your mind?
5: Oh no, absolutely it matters. It 100 percent matters. Um, you know, I can remember in college when you know Coach Beamer wanted me to go both ways, and I spent one spring playing just receiver. You know, I didn't go in a DB room, nothing. I I didn't talk to those guys. I was viewed as a receiver. Um, And I can remember just lining up at receiver, looking at, you know, the DB across from me, knowing the coverage, because obviously I, you know, just came from the defense. So I had a little bit of an advantage from that standpoint as a receiver. uh, But I was able to just comprehend and understand so much stuff that was going on offensively and defensively. And then when the season came and I went back to defense, I was able to even hone in a little bit more on what receivers were doing. Where's his split at? Um, Where's the back at? Where's the protection? You know, know, is is, is he strong? Is he weak? Um, And so, you know, Dunny was able to understand a lot of that stuff um, because he was playing, you know, college level receiver and NFL level receiver when he made the um, transition. And so, you know, for us, it was, to try to just get him to, you know, think about everything from a defensive standpoint, but use all that offensive knowledge you got, man, and and that'll be the advantage that nobody else or a lot of other guys don't have. And, you know, obviously like you said, when that ball's in the air, you are a receiver. You have a receiver's mentality, man. Go up and get the ball and that was something I prided myself on. That was something I love about Sherm's game and Pat P's game and a lot of these other guys who who go and get the football.
3: Yeah, the ball doesn't know uh, who owns it, right? you you got you to gotta go no, get it. Yeah, and, no. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. The Seahawks had a, had a rough year as far as uh, sacks last year. They Only 28 sacks, but they also were only in man, I think, around 15% of the time. They played kind of a, a softer zone. In your 14 years of experience, tell us how much, what a, what a big part of the pass rush is the coverage and how those two work
6: together.
5: Oh man, they go hand in hand. You know, Seattle for years, you know, was blessed with having such a great pass rush that you didn't need to be too complicated. You didn't need to, you know, play man a lot of the times because they had such great zone dropping linebackers and that, you know, you know, like I said, that pass rush was so good and, you know, the DBs knew exactly how to pass things off and, you know, and come and rally back downfield on, you know, on, on shorter routes. And so, I mean, it was a thing of, of beauty to watch. Um, but, in you know, in hindsight, if you don't have that pass rush, guys are going to have a little bit more time. Routes are going to be a little bit deeper. Guys are going to be able to complete passes. Um, and so, you know, when when Clowney was out there and was able to wreck shop, it was a totally different defense than when you know he was able to get blocked or wasn't as impactful in some of those games. And so having a guy like Dunbar and, you know, some of the versatility of some of those other guys that, that, that Seattle has in the secondary is going to allow them to play a lot more man-to-man where you can send another guy um, instead of just trying to get home with your four down linemen.
0: D'Angelo Hall on Bob, Dave, and Moore. Yesterday, full interview available, 710sports.com. Also yesterday, we got to hear a lot from Pete Carroll in his press conference, and I uh, just wanted to play you a little bit, a bigger bit of uh, Pete Carroll discussing everything going on in the world right now, and having important conversations with players and allowing them to voice their opinions.
5: Uh, so, Pete, um, yeah. you've been you've been a lot more kind of active of your support and uh, like support of Black Lives Matter recently. Uh, I wanted to know what has maybe changed uh, in your sense, like you know, Colin first took a knee. And Michael Bennett was protesting in 2017. You know, you're, you've been more active since then. What's, what's different maybe about this situation that's uh, inspired your kind of action now?
2: Well, I think uh, to, to tell you the truth, we've been on the topic for a long time. This isn't just the last couple weeks for us. We've been on the topic for years in, in, uh, in our building and in, in our locker room and in our team room and trying to figure out, you know, how to make sense of how we can help and how we can do the right thing. This is not new issues. This is not new new concerns um, that needed to be dealt with. They just now have just taken a, a new turn, and uh, so I think that as everybody has the opportunity to get in the discussions um, more deeply, uh, more earnestly, um, with more intent, we just we, we just learn more. And, and there's there is this is a topic for us. Um, that has so much depth to it, and, and so much concern for all of us to get on. I mean, the, the whole thought of Black Lives Matter. There was a, when it first came out. I can remember in our meetings, our, our players. It was uh, we were talking. They were asking questions. What does this mean? You know, what does it mean to me? What, what is it, You know, how should I take this? As people were saying, no, all lives matter, and blue lives matter, and every you know all that kind of stuff was happening. And I can remember the the discussions. I went right to. Dr. Harry Edwards, and had got him connected to help help us understand where we should go and what we should come to understand. And the topics and the, and all the things that we were talking about right then are the topics that we're on right now. But fortunately, we're at a time when the opportunity to create change is more available to us now. Um, understanding how powerful it is to say that Black Lives Matter and and to stand behind that 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 principle and that thought and, and what that means to us is, is uh, is just more clear than it was as it was to our players, as it is to myself personally. And so as we all grow, we need to stay with it we need to make something happen and we need to really work this thing until we, we, we get where we where it has to go to the right place where everybody's considered free and equal and, and, and just things are happening, where we all feel we're living in a great world compared to what we are in right now. So, um, you know, it's, it's, there has been a lot that has happened um, The topic is not new. I think our ability to communicate and, and converse and and approach concepts is is really at, at a at a place that it's it's never been and so uh um, I'm grateful for that i'm sorry sorry to the, my heart that we're here because of the reasons we're here because of the events that happened but um we got to do something right and do something well right now.
5: Uh, one one follow-up. You guys uh, had a workout scheduled with Colin Kaepernick in 2018, uh, that off-season. Was that uh, workout ultimately postponed for reasons that had to do with football?
2: Um, you're talking about the second time. Colin had come in in, you know, 16 or whatever that was, um, a couple years before that, Um It was just a normal, the way I recall that one, it was just a normal kind of process of, you know, we we have guys scheduled to come in and it just didn't, we didn't come together. I don't remember the specifics of why we didn't, but there was nothing about, you know, there's been stuff in the media that because we were concerned about him taking a knee or whatever, that never even came up in our conversations. That was never even an issue for us. And, uh, um, that wasn't true. And so, uh, but in that regard to that one, it was just, things didn't work out. And, and, uh, we, we moved on. It was at the time. I don't know. I can't remember what Russ's health was all about, but that's what would have been one of the issues. How was, you know, uh, I always felt like, like cap was the kind of guy that was a starting quarterback. Like I said, way back then that had we had that opportunity, he would have been a great, uh, possibly a great fit with us. And, um, uh, you know, that situation never, and we never got to that.
0: More from Pete Carroll on the running back room, the addition of Carlos Hyde, the defense moving forward. It's next in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is the Blitz. It's time for the hot list holy mackerel the headlines for the day in sports every morning at 6 45 heck
4: yes what are we missing
1: here a full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive Let's go!
0: as the nba is Getting its 22-team Orlando restart schedule going, we know that 14 of the teams will be eliminated within 53 days of arriving, and only four teams will remain after 67 days, according to a new ESPN report. The NBA has been working uh, to outline the time commitment, uh, the safety and health protocols as well for the teams and the players that will be in Orlando, Florida. And may be less daunting than originally perceived, especially once seen, uh, this is to quote the ESPN article, in the context of the timetables constructed into the league's revised schedule. NBA is planning to begin camps on July 9th and uh, through the 11th. Teams will briefly quarantine before beginning formal training camps before regular season games resume on July 30th, according to this report. The six teams eliminated after eight regular season games and a possible play-in tournament for the number 8 seed would leave Orlando within 35 to 40 days. And the NBA expects the conference, fi- conference finals will end within a maximum of 82 days and uh, leaving the two NBA finalists. So the expecting the NBA finals could start by September 30th. Jeff Van Gundy on Spain & Co. yesterday uh, talking about uh, a couple of different subjects. He, first of all, doesn't... Envision too many major upsets in the opening round.
4: Because we don't know what's happened, I'm going to go with the more talented, deeper team. And I do believe, even without home court advantage, I'll be shocked if we see an upset of a major magnitude. If one of the top two seeds in either conference gets knocked off early in the first round, I would be very surprised. I think, particularly in the East, I think the differences between 1 and 8 and 2 and 7 are huge.
0: Also, on uh, what the concerns will be for coaches upon restarting.
4: The biggest thing for coaches, though, is how are you going to occupy their time productively? After you get done with the initial enthusiasm for getting back together for, like, say, the first week in Orlando, then what? Because some of the teams have no chance of winning a playoff series. How into it will they be? How many of their players will want to participate? Will any choose to sit out? Those are questions that don't have answers yet. And then for the championship contenders, those four, five, six, seven teams that people could see running the table, that's a three-month commitment. Today was my end of my third month in quarantine, and we've had a lot more freedom in our restrictions in our life than the players seemingly will have in Orlando, So the restrictive nature of that bubble would have me as a coach preoccupied, concerned, and worried for our enthusiasm, but also for our mental
6: health.
0: Speaking of that bubble and how restrictive it is, Adrian Wojnarowski yesterday saying NBA players, a lot of them want the rules of the bubble to be a little bit relaxed.
6: Players in the last week or so have really gotten a better sense of what living in a bubble and playing in a bubble is. You know what it will include and how limiting it is, how restrictive, how isolating it will be. The fact that they can't leave it, they can't go outside of it and they can't have visitors come in and none of them would be able to have any family able to come in until at least after the first round of the playoffs. And I think there is a group of players that they would like to see some of this, the quarantine elements of this uh, loosened and softened.
0: Yeah, Adrian Wojnarowski though, saying that NBA players, if they choose to, will stay can stay home and do so without penalty. They're going to have
6: a mechanism uh, in the agreement that they announce that would allow players who don't want to play to stay home. Uh, they won't be punished by their teams for it. Now, they will not get paid, I'm told, but uh, players who aren't comfortable for whatever reason to go in um, won't have to go in. And, and so... On these conference calls, and I talked to some players who were on it, uh, and some of them called just to listen and see what other guys were talking about. Some, you know, I think are waiting to see if there are some more significant players who would make a decision not to go. That might influence others.
0: Uh, Yesterday, we heard from Pete Carroll, and we played a little clip of him discussing Colin Kaepernick and his workouts here in Seattle uh, but a little bit more from Pete on that. Talking about, first off, he thinks that he could have thrived in Seattle.
2: People had called me during the time before we ever got him in and said, hey, he'd be great in your program. He may not be able to play here or there, but he certainly could play for you. I agree with that. He could play for us. He could have been a, a fantastic player in a program. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And then when you look back, I, I felt like we missed the opportunity. So as I look back at it, I wish we, we could have figured it out and known, known what we know now and given him the chance because I would love to see him play football all those years.
0: At one point, uh, Pete saying they did cancel work out with him in 2018, but it had nothing to do with his peaceful demonstration. The way
2: I recall that when there was this normal kind of process, of you know, we, we have guys scheduled to come in and it just didn't we didn't come together. I don't remember the specifics of why we didn't. But there was nothing about, you know, there's been stuff in the media that because we were concerned about him taking a knee or whatever that never even came up in our conversations. That was never even an issue for us. That wasn't true in that regard to that one. It was just things didn't work out and, and uh, we, we moved on. It was at the time. I don't know. I can't remember what Russ's health was all about, but that's what would have been one of the issues.
0: Uh, speaking of Russ's health too, uh, he has been healthy for much of his career and incredibly durable. And Pete mentioning that they saw Kaepernick as a starter and thought he would get a starting job somewhere else, but admitting that they do regret not signing him. The
2: reason it wasn't the right fit is because they held him in such high regard. I didn't see him as a backup quarterback, and I didn't didn't want to put him in that situation with with Russ, and I didn't just didn't feel like it would fit right. So that's the way I felt about it. I I just wish it would happen, and, and I wish I wish we would have been a part of it when the time was available. Then you know we're kind of set up right now, so it's football wise it doesn't seem to fit us. But like I said, but there's a lot of time there. See what happens.
0: P. Carroll also saying the Seahawks would consider Cap if Wilson did get hurt.
2: I like our setup right now. You know, I, I love the way Gino fits together in, in our role and all that. So that it's not really available at, at this time for us. But if Russ ever got tangled up and couldn't play or something, Cap would have been an extraordinary candidate to take over because of his, the dynamics of his play.
0: And mentioning that, a team did call them interested in Kaepernick.
2: After all of the time, that, you know the years that have passed, I, I never received a phone call about it. I never talked to another head coach about it. I never talked to anybody about it until today. I'm going to tell you who it was. I got a phone call today asking, inquiring about the situation. So I know somebody's interested.
0: Now, uh, also following up on that yesterday, Dan Graziano saying he hadn't heard anything about a team being interested in Cap though.
6: Haven't heard much about interest in Kaepernick until Pete Carroll said that yesterday don't know what team he's talking about and how serious the interest is, uh, calling around on all this stuff over the past week. Where will the owners and teams come down on uh, the commissioner's comments on social justice and Black Lives Matter and, and uh, peaceful protests? There, I have been asking questions about Kaepernick. Haven't been getting the sense that there's a strong chance of him getting back in? I definitely don't think that we're going to see anything like we saw last November where the league tried to arrange a workout for him for teams uh, in Atlanta. I think it's going to be up to an an individual team to decide and make that decision to bring him in. At this point, the team that called Pete Carroll yesterday, we don't know who it is. Uh, We're working to find that out, and ideally, we'll figure out how likely it is uh, before too long.
0: Well, we talked about the return of basketball in the NBA a little earlier, but how about... The return of college football—that's on a lot of people's minds as well. Now, with uh, spring ball missing out on that, but workouts potentially starting—we know in the Pac-12 voluntary workouts beginning, I believe, on mid-June. So, uh, voluntary workouts will be able to happen in the Pac-12 and their in their member schools. But Laura Rutledge joining ESPN yesterday to talk about uh, what how things will how colleges will react to positive tests what
3: everybody tells me is that this is why they made these plans to where they can quarantine players if needed to where you know they're they're testing so regularly they're doing temperature checks so regularly they're encouraging wearing masks for everybody in fact it's mandatory in most of these football facilities i think it's going to continue to show that sports can come back with these safety precautions in place At least as it relates to keeping athletes and coaches safe. And the whole fan idea of this is a whole different thing. But I I do think that this will continue to be, you know, steps in the right direction for that. And then now we're about to see hopefully the NBA go down that path and, and watch how they manage everything.
0: The Mariners added more talent and more depth to their prospect ranks yesterday. We know about first round selection, the number six overall pick Emerson Hancock, the right-handed pitcher out of Georgia, the flamethrower with uh, some pretty nice secondary pitches in his arsenal as well. But Jerry DePoto talking about him yesterday on Danny and Gallon.
3: Emerson is six four, two hundred. 200. It's uh, as a prototype, uh, top of the rotation pitcher package, really. It's uh you know, he is a smart kid who is driven. He's very focused on what he's doing, really fits culturally with what we've been trying to do over these last five years. You know, and he also has four of what we think are above to well above average pitches,
0: What about the second day of the draft, rounds two through five, Director of Amateur Scouting for the Mariners, Scott Hunter, on the second day of the draft, where the Mariners added a couple of arms, a few infielders, and an outfielder.
3: Uh, Good afternoon, good evening uh, here on the East Coast, but uh, just completed the 2020 draft, which was quite challenging across the board, but I think as a a group, we're very proud of uh, what we accomplished, not only from the top of the draft, but all the way through. Getting a good balance of uh, you know three pitchers and three position players, so we do think we've made some impact across across our organization, which is going to just continue to add to what we've been doing over the last few years.
0: In the second round, taking Zach Deloche out of Texas A&M, the outfielder who struggled a little bit in his early years in college, but then had an incredible summer in 2019 in the Cape Cod League. And Scott Hunter mentioning uh, that was big for them.
3: Zach Deloche was an exciting pick for us. We felt he was one of the best hitters coming into this draft uh, after a stellar Cape Cod season. Uh, His sophomore year at Texas A&M, he had a little bit of, uh, I guess, unfortunate luck. Not posting big numbers, but he went up to Cape Cod, did a really good job up there, and uh, made a few swing changes. He's a guy that's always controlled the zone. He's got a pure left-handed swing. He started tapping into some of his power, and we still really believe that there, you know, the best is yet to come for Zach. I mean, he's a guy that's going to start out playing center field. He's played all three positions out there over the last few years, and you know, it's it's a great makeup kid that really fits exactly what we're what we're doing in regards to controlling the strike zone and. Uh, being a complete hitter.
0: CTZ, control the zone. Yes, uh, Scott mentioning that that was a theme for them yesterday, and the pitchers, the arms they selected in this draft really fall in line with that mentality, be that philosophy, excuse me, including their number six overall pick, competitive balance round B selection. Connor Phillips, right handed pitcher out of McLennan Community College in Texas. He is fascinating because he is just 19 years old. But uh, bet on himself, went to community college over going to LSU so that he could be draft eligible in 2020 and going in the second round. So uh, proving himself right, a nice bet on himself. But Connor Phillips also added to this roster. Uh, Kaden Polkovich in the third round, second baseman out of Oklahoma State. In the fourth round, Tyler Keenan, third baseman out of Ole Miss. And finally, their final pick of the day, fifth rounder, Taylor Dollard, the right-handed pitcher out of Cal Poly, another guy that had a really impressive uh, summer in the Cape Cod League last year. That's a wrap for the hot list in the entire Blitz at Six Hour. Danny and Gallant is coming your way in mere seconds. Everybody have a safe weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday.